This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. We'll prepare you for Lakers-Grizzlies. That should be interesting because that Grizzlies team is missing some players. So we'll see how that goes. And, of course, LeBron and AD, hmm, do they have enough to get past a very young and talented Memphis Grizzlies team? Well, we'll find out. Pre-game, as I mentioned, at 2.30, tip off a little after 3 o'clock here on 98.7 ESPN. Yankee game up in the Bronx. You've got uh, Lopez against Cole, and there is a no score as the Yanks bat in the bottom of the second. Yesterday was interesting up at the stadium because there was this whole brouhaha about Domingo Herman, who was perfect for five-plus innings yesterday. And the umpire was checking the baseball and checking the baseball and checking Herman and checking his hand and checking the glove to infer that something was going on. So just to give you a recap of that yesterday, of course, as you know, Giancarlo Stanton is on the IL for 10 days. So we'll update, uh, we'll go back to yesterday. Just curious to hear what Aaron Boone had to say when he was asked, so why were the umpires checking Domingo Herman? Didn't see anything. Just there was tackiness, you know, from from rosin. But he he doesn't hit the rosin out there. But he hits the rosin before he comes out. So it was just level that alarm that caught his attention. So Skipper, did it reach the level where Domingo had to be taken out of the game? I just don't think it reached a level because I think any time a pitcher's out there, there's always something that you get a little bit from the from the rosin. So basically, it was wash your hands and 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 make sure that. The rosin is, is, and that's all it is. Now, Twins manager Rocco Baldelli was asked about Herman being in the game even after the umpires checked him not once but twice. He was warned. He didn't fully comply, I would say, with the warning from what I was told and uh, was still allowed to keep pitching. So that's it. That's it. I just don't agree with that in principle. All right. So, Rocco, listen, if you're a Minnesota Twins fan, you won two games at the stadium, you're like, Let's go. <laughs> well, what did they? Oh, they have to cheat now because we won two games at the stadium? It's amazing. It is. The Yankees have dominated Minnesota so often, regular season, postseason. The Yankees are just like, oh, thank goodness. We're, uh, we're not hitting well. Minnesota's coming to town. Oh, okay, but things are looking up. <laughs> we'll get better. We'll get better. Uh, it was an interesting scenario, but nothing was found illegal. So, you know, you move on. Uh, but once again, the Yankees still trying to get trying to get the bottom of that order, some you know, to give them some production consistently, right? Um, they just haven't been able to get it done. And obviously, you know, we talked about injuries. We mentioned standing on the IL with the hamstring. You're waiting for Bader to come back. You know, you're waiting for a bunch of pitchers to come back. Uh, it's just been it's just been. A similar thing with the Yankees year after year at the start of the season, they just really struggle with injuries. And so this one, especially for Stanton, is a tough one. But as I said earlier, here's what you want. If you got to have them, have them early because at least you have a chance to get your guys back. Speaking of injuries, Buck Showalter has an injury update with the Mets going into today that includes Justin Verlander. You know, Tommy not too far away. He looks like he's going to make it. Um, Justin's uh, workday went real well today, so that's good. 
I know all the stuff he did and we know what the plan is going out just like we said another work day and then uh, BP day and then the game you know I've got it got it mapped out all the way through if everything stays on schedule but we'll see how the next couple things go but what Buck didn't mention was Max Scherzer who is suffering from a little soreness in his lower back and he talks about it had an MRI, nothing. Like I know exactly what this is. You know, it just needs a little, little time. That's it. All right, so he's been moved back to pitch on Wednesday and says he's dealt with it a couple of years ago and knows rest is the best thing to do. 2019. It's similar to what I was doing in 2019. You know, I respect it, know what it is, but I know how to, you know, know that if you just give it a little rest, get out of it, you know, it goes away. All right, so listen, as a Met fan, once again, I am – do I want my aces in this situation right now? Absolutely not. Does it matter, though, as long as they're healthy by the end of the year, that's the most important thing. I need to see my top two guys at the top of the rotation down the, down the second half going into the postseason because that's the only way I'm winning. All right, this pitching staff is based on Verlander and Scherzer being Verlander and Scherzer, being available, being dominant, being pitching to the back of their baseball card. If they're not able to pitch to the back of their baseball card, then this Met team is in a lot of trouble, especially in the short series. I mean, think about this. You could actually, in a short series, the way baseball spaces it out, especially early, I mean, you could actually pitch them and nobody else. <laughs> With days off, you're good. You're really good. Now, you don't want to. I mean, you have enough pitching, but in theory, you could. But that's what you want when you sign these guys up is their experience and their dominance. These are two future Hall of Famers that you have at the top of your rotation. All right? And once again, I'm sure Verlander will be good once he gets onto the mound. I'm looking forward to seeing it at the start, you know, in the regular season, seeing what he brings to the table. You guys know how I feel about him. I respect him. He's a tremendous pitcher. As I mentioned, future Hall of Famer. I just don't know if I'm going to get the same Verlander that has been in Houston the past couple of years because pitchers that leave Houston aren't always the same when they leave Houston. So I'm very curious to see what he's going to bring to the table. The jury's out for me on him. So I want him to get up here and let me see what he's got. Once again, am I rushing him back? No. I'm not trying to rush him back. But in the same sense, I need to see what he brings, what he has, and what he can bring to the table. And as long as he works it out and they're good in the postseason, that's what I need. From an offensive standpoint right now, they're not knocking the cover off the baseball consistently, but they've done a nice job. My, my middle of the order has been really good. Lindor has been very good. Alonzo has been really good. And then, you know, Joe Leo made me smile by telling me that Brett Beatty's coming up. So I'm very happy about that. Because, listen, I love Escobar, but he's not been doing well at third. I need more production there. Because I am a bat short in the power department in my lineup. Now, I'm not saying Batty's going to come here and hit 25, 30 home runs. But what I am saying is I'm going to get some production out of him. 
And that's what I need. Because I'm not getting it from the catcher's position. And right now, Francisco Alvarez is A, lost, and B, quoting Ron Darling, trying too hard. He is trying way too hard. He has no idea what his strike zone is. None. Everybody knows you don't have to throw strikes to get him out. It's up and in or low and away. He is swinging. And he's just got to take a moment and chill out. And here's the problem with him. Because he needs work defensively, if he's not hitting, he's not playing. And until Navarez gets healthy again, you know, you got to have him up, but he's going to go back down and he's not ready. He's just not ready. Never has there been, and for and we have this conversation about the NFL, right? We always talk about the difference between college and the National Football League from the quarterback standpoint. We always talk about it. And quarterbacks say, well, you know, the game is faster overall, but the defensive linemen are faster. They come on you quicker. Guys that I would have gotten away from in college, I can't run away from them quickly as quick. There's not that much speed on, on occasion that I can get past them. Not making a general making making a general statement. Obviously, there's specifics where players are faster and they get past the defense. But for the most part, that's what young players will tell you that play quarterback. The, the defense is faster up up in the up in the NFL than they are in college, because you don't face the same caliber teams every week. All right. Well, Francisco Alvarez is finding, yeah, there's a speed difference and a pitching difference in the majors than the minors. All right, this kid is hitting third or he's hitting three, four, five in the lineup in the minors. He's hitting ninth in the majors and struggling. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. That's why they tell you in the minors, you got to play. You need to play. And even then, it's a hard adjustment to make it. So he's struggling. But for right now, for me, Lindor, Alonzo, Nemo, Marte, they've been doing it. They've, they've been playing well. And, and, and of course, as I mentioned earlier, you're playing the Oakland A's, who are really struggling. Now, it will be interesting after they leave Oakland, they've got a set with the Dodgers and a set with the Giants before they come back home. And so we'll get a chance to see. Now, the Dodgers are not just, they're, you know, starting out it's early you're not really you're not really gauging anything about your team yet it's too early you're not gauging anything yet you just want to see what's happening you want to see look at your team and see what's going on so i'm not measuring against the dodgers i'm not measuring against the giants yet it's too early i just want my team to get as many wins as possible now because these are wins that you have stored in the bank because when you start being consistent with baseball, the weather is consistent. You start hitting from Memorial Day going forward. And you start playing, you, know, you get into a rhythm and the weather is the same every day. And you start going and you start playing the way you are. That's when you'll find out when everybody's healthy and, and most teams have got their lineups rolling. That's when you'll be able to judge your team against other teams. Right now, everybody's just figuring it out. <laughs> Just figure it out. Except Tampa. 1-800-919-3776. We'll come back and talk to you next on 9870 ESPN.
This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. My colleague Rich Samini's uh, report on ESPN.com. Because with all the conversation about Odell Beckham Jr. possibly coming to the Jets, ultimately ending up in Baltimore with the Ravens, and as he has definitely mentioned, made it clear, no uh, guarantees that he would be joined by Lamar Jackson, but he went there anyway. Uh, the question's been, what are the Jets going to do at receiver now? Now, I got to be honest with you. I thought that the Jets were going to be pretty good at the receiver spot, okay, with, with who they have. All right? I mean, they've got, you know, they got Lazard they brought in. Um you know, Gary Wilson was outstanding last year. You've got two tight ends. You've got some other, you know, you got some other guys who who are good, but just checking out, um, and I didn't think they would, but Ritzamini had an interesting article about the Jets possibly looking at DeAndre Hopkins. Now, I got to be honest with you. It's unfortunate. I don't think the Giants have, Giants don't have the money. But he would be perfect for them. Oh, he would be just what they need. So I, I obviously the Jets, I don't think they're gonna sign him. They have too many other needs. Okay. Now they could they could get one in free agency. And they could get one in the draft. But for right now, if if I'm the Jets, okay, and I'm not even gonna talk about the quarterback situation because we'll we'll just make our heads spin around like the original Exorcist movie some 30 years ago. But if, 40 years ago, if I'm the Jets right now, here's what I'm focused on. I'm focused on, for the draft, what am I doing with my line? Offensive line and defensive line. That's what I'm thinking about. I can pick up a wide receiver. I can pick up another running back in the draft later rounds. I can get a speed guy. I can do something that, that would give me Brees Hall insurance. I can find a running back. Okay? I can find a receiver, quick receiver, some speed. I can find a guy that runs great routes. I can find a guy. My priority is that I need to get my offensive line rolling, whoever the quarterback is and whoever the running back is. Because that's what I need. That's what I need. For my offense to go, there's no doubt in my mind that I've got to improve on my offensive line. And listen, I've seen all the videos. I've heard all the stories about Becton. And he looks great. Looks fabulous. Looks really good. I cannot be burned again by saying, He's my tackle. I'm in good shape. All right. And he's he, he's gonna be good. He's gonna be good. I, I know I, I know I got him this year. Even when he was fully healthy, he wasn't always available. So I have to draft someone thinking that they will be a starter. Offensive line. And hey, if Beckton is able to give me something, I'm good. It just adds to my depth. But, and Rich has done a phenomenal job breaking down some of the old linemen that are available, that might be available when the Jets draft 13. So th that's my priority if I'm a Jet. 
if I'm from the Jets. I got to do that. Secondly, I, I still need a pass rusher. I still do. I need a pass rusher, and I need somebody that's going to help me stop the run. My secondary is okay. I, I can get by with it. Okay? I can get by with it. I would have to address it because you want depth. The biggest thing for this Jet team is to make sure that they add depth, as much depth as possible with all the injuries that this team has suffered. Okay? They need to have as much depth and they need to have talented depth at their positions. That's what they need. That's going to help them take that next step. Okay? And once again, you know, to figure out the quarterback situation, maybe they have to draft one. You know, just in case, you know, uh, the old adage in the NFL, you draft a, you draft a franchise, you draft for a franchise quarterback till you have one. And they don't have one. So they might as well keep trying to figure that out. So that's my thought process on the Jets. As far as the Giants are concerned, listen, they've got, they have, they have decisions to make on who they're going to sign and extend and what they're going to do there. Obviously, the Saquon Barkley situation, I think that will eventually get done. They know they need him. You know, they, they've upgraded some, at obviously, with Waller at the tight end. They've upgraded. His availability has been an issue in the past. If he can be healthy, everybody knows what he can do. So you, you, you're going to bring in, you're going to bring Saquon Barkley back. Okay, you are. It's just a matter of trying to figure out the money. What does it look like? Is it... Is it this amount of money, but X amount in incentives? Is it this so it doesn't hurt the cap that much? They're going to do that. They're going to bring it back. Giant fans, don't worry. He's coming back. But the other question is going to be, what do you do with like the Leonard Williams guys who, who have who hurt who a lot against your cap? What, what are you going to do against these guys? What are you going to do against guys that you have to, you know, that you need to make adjustments with and to try and get better? So really... What you wanted to do was to have a season of, in a non-perfect world, what you wanted to do is have a season to say, okay, this is what we're trying to do. Let's see what we have here, and then we'll go forward. We'll get rid of this player. We'll get rid of that player. We'll get rid of this player. We'll bring the players that we want in here, and that's what we're going to try to do. Yankees have a one nothing lead. All right, so that's what you want to do. But you made the playoffs last year, so now actually – your program is accelerated to the point where you have to, you're now going to try to get better a little quicker, which is a good thing. All right. It's a good thing. It's a good thing that it accelerated. It's a good thing that you made the postseason last year. It's a good thing. So now you just have to make those adjustments and you'll be all right. So it'll be interesting with the draft. Ooh, about a week and a half away. It's going to be fun. That wraps up this edition of the Larry Hardesty Show. We thank you for joining us on this Sunday. Special thanks to Jamie Harris of the Amsterdam News for his view on the Knicks and for Christian Winfield of the Daily News for his thoughts on the Nets. Also, thanks to uh, Tom and Joe for their expertise as well. We'll join you tomorrow night following the Islanders Game 1 playoff game. Gordon and I will have ESPN New York tonight. Up next, we begin our coverage. NBA playoffs Game 1 out west. It's Lakers, it's Grizzlies. It's next on 98.7 ESPN New York.